Hi, my name's Andy Cope and welcome to the most uplifting podcast in the world. As a positive psychology researcher, I'm excited, delighted and honoured to be sitting in the podcast hot seat. The aim is to bring you guests who have something interesting or insightful or inspirational. They might have a story to tell, something clever, something simple, anything goes. We hope to inspire, educate, entertain and on a good day, maybe even make you chuckle. And why should you listen? Well, we figure life is relentless. It's full on. And most people are a million miles away from feeling as great as they could. So think of this podcast as a reminder or maybe a leg up to being a better version of you. Sometimes against the odds. So relax, open your ears, open your mind and allow me to bring you this week's amazing episode of the best podcast in the world. On with the show. Okay, well, welcome podcast listeners, loyal podcast listeners. Um, I think this uh, this guest needs a little bit of context, so let me just uh, spend a minute giving you that background. So I used to work in higher education, further education. I was a lecturer, and I was, I was okay. I was pretty good at that. I was doing what all the other lecturers did, uh, a bit more humanely maybe, um, but I was steeped in big words. Then around... I think it's probably about 2004, 2005, I discovered something called positive psychology and it interested me and I hadn't implemented it in my lectures because uh, it wasn't on the syllabus, but I was sort of immersed in it and I woke up a little bit. And then also around the same time, I read two books. I read a book uh, called Sumo by a guy called Paul McGee and I read a book called The Naked Leader by David Taylor. And both have got ridiculous titles. Uh, both were different types of books to the ones that I'd read before. They were both incredibly simple, ridiculously so. And they were both entertaining. And they were page-turning. And they both woke me up. Triggered immediate changes in me. So um, I, I didn't sit and wait for the syllabus to change. I just implemented all this positive stuff that I knew into what I was already teaching because I ne- felt the students needed it and they, that's what they really needed rather than the academia. Naked Leader was probably the, the seminal book that gave me permission to deliver things in a way that made sense to me, in a simple way. I simplified things massively. I would say, without sounding this uh, too, too bold, that Naked Leader book, it actually changed my life. And the book didn't write itself. It was written by a guy called David Taylor. And this podcast gave me a chance to interview friends and work colleagues and interesting people and strangers and my heroes. <laughs> so guess who I've got for you today? I'm knee-shakingly excited to introduce David Taylor. David, how are you, sir? I'm very well, Andy. A little bit nervous after that fantastic introduction. Hey, Thank you very well, changed very my good. life, fella. Changed my life. So thanks ever so much for that. Um, so can we, I thought we'd just have a general chat today about, can we start with Naked? I know you've moved on from that and I know, I don't know if you want to be tired with that brush, but I mean, it's such a seminal piece of work in my life. So can we go back a few years, fella, and talk about your Naked Leader books? Indeed. In fact, uh, no, well, the company's called Naked Leader, as you know, so Naked's with me for life. Um, yes, indeed. What would you like to know? Well, I, well, where did it, how do you know what you know? Where did it come from? It came from, well, my background is uh, information technology. I sort of hesitate before I say that, Andy, because <laughs> probably a lot of people have switched off the podcast now. And, and, I, and I kind of used to specialize in making life as complex for people as possible without really knowing I was doing that. And, and um, I decided to get into leadership coaching and no one was doing it in the world of IT. And so I thought I'll read some books. And uh, so I read lots of books and I didn't understand any of them. I'm, I realized how <laughs> stupid I really am. I just don't understand all these diagrams and long words and all these theories. And I also found that uh, a lot of books give very different advice. Two of my favorite books, Andy, 
uh, are the first one's called How to Do More. Um, and it was very successful, apparently, for the author. So he wrote a follow up, which was called How to Do Less. And, and I started thinking, hang on, surely there's, there's no right or wrong way of doing anything. There's only what works and what doesn't work. So I decided to write a book which stripped away the hype, jargon and mystery from everything was blindingly obvious and was kind of the things that I'd been thinking about for many, many years, but never quite had the guts to say. So, for example, when a meeting was scheduled for two hours and we were still in there four and a half hours later, I used to want to put up my hand and say, excuse me, but we've run out of time. We, you know, we can't be very good at these things, including myself. And, and I never had the guts to do that. So, I, so, so I, wrote a, I wrote a book and it was actually called The Ten Second Truth in its first draft. The idea being that you can change anything in your life in under 10 seconds. I now believe you can do it even quicker than that straight away. However, um, we were watching Jamie Oliver on television, uh, The Naked Chef, and my daughter Olivia pointed at him and said Naked Chef and pointed at me and said Naked Leader, and she was seven years old. So she gave the, she gave the title. We, we, we just completely sort of changed things around, around Naked. And the fundamental message of Naked is that from the moment you're born until the moment you die, you have everything inside you right now to achieve literally anything you want. And that's probably the only fact that I've ever sort of kind of totally believed in and, and, and other people seem to agree from all sorts of walks of life that's where naked came from okay wow crikey so you've got everything you already need and it's already inside you but i, I guess Indeed. I, but I, I mean, and you do as well andy well and so well i this. have I, to be absolutely frank with you i've copied your style and i've because that was a book that woke me up and i want to wake people up as well because i've i think we've got a very similar message we um uh i mean we're coming at it from slightly different angles but it's the simplicity of it that i really like and um one of my all-time favourite things, and I know that you know that I love this. You did, a, I think it was either a blog or it was on your website about service level agreements. You probably can't even remember it, but it really shook me, and it's it was so hilarious and and beautifully written. Can you just remind me of? You talked about a romantic meal. Let me remind you, a romantic meal with your other half. And yes, oh yes, yes. Talk yes, us through I that, am. sir, because that. I'd... I well remember. I remember. I well remember this. In fact. Um... I had no idea The Naked Leader would, would be so successful, so I kind of just wrote anything I felt. So when I wrote about consultants being blood-sucking vampires and I wrote about competency-based frameworks only being as good as your children can draw on them because they're a complete waste of time for anything else, I, I, I knew I didn't think I was pushing the boundary. I knew I was being controversial, but I didn't actually think anyone would read the thing. And, and so when I wrote about service level agreements, I, I sort of lived to regret this. I mean, basically, the story of service level agreements is it, it's a kind of illustrates how we seem to think that we think differently or are different people in work from the way we really are as people. And it's, of course, complete nonsense. And we used to have service level agreements, and many organizations do, particularly in IT departments. And if you use the language that you get in service level agreements in work or in your IT department it, at home, the result can be, um, well, interesting. I mean, uh, and the story goes, get your love, loved one to cook you a meal. If you haven't got a loved one, just go up to somebody and say, cook me a meal. Good luck with that one. And then um, eat the meal, but don't say a word. And then when you finished and they say, what was it like? Look them right in the eyes and say, it was satisfactory. Because <laughs> that's what it would be like at work. And then, and then I go into the sort of risque area and I say, perhaps in a more romantic, intimate and personal moment in your life with your partner, you know, um, and, 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 and your partner says to you, what was it like for you? Just whisper in their ear, you met my expectations. We don't think like this, Andy. So why on earth do organizations run on this basis? So thank you for reminding me of one of my favorite stories that I partly live to regret, but I partly am really pleased I said it. Oh, I'm, well, I'm really pleased you said it because it, it, it just highlights the complete ridiculous bonkers nature of how we operate in organizations. And 
and it's just not real, is it? It's not real at all. So, so I mean, you must have ruffled some feathers, fella, because your your books were well. It's anti-establishment, isn't it? Really, have you have you upset people along the way? Yes, I was on the Radio Four Today program. I, I don't know if you know, Andy. My book's um, been named as the fastest-selling business book in the world because we printed 250 copies and it went to number one on Amazon within 15 seconds. It sold over 11,000 individual copies. And that got me on the Radio 4 Today program the next morning. And I was on with the chief executive of a major consultancy. And um, while the chief executive of the consultancy was out, um, the presenter, uh, I don't think it was John Humphreys, I think it was one of the others, he said to me, um, I want you to destroy this guy because the BBC is full of these people. And I'm saying, I don't have any media training. I don't know what to do. So in the end, I just forgot I was in a studio and really sort of laid into consultancies in terms of their inability to prove their financial value and also their desire to get organizations to be dependent on them. So, yeah, I was then dropped a week later from a, from a consultancy conference I didn't even know I'd been booked for. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't go out there to ruffle feathers. I just go out there to say, hey, do you know what? It's time to give power back to individuals. It's time to give power back to, to people and organizations. And in many ways, I've been very lucky because this sort of blindingly obvious common sense message now seems to be resonating almost more than when the book was written in the first place. Well, well, that's, that's an interesting point, isn't it? That it's actual, actually was ahead of its time then, really. And its time is absolutely now. And you know, and I know that we, we do conferences all over the world now. And everywhere I go, I look, you can see in the audience's eyes that they're just burnt out. They're worn out. They're exhausted by the sort of the amount of crap that they have to take on nowadays in, in terms of in, in organizations and meetings and stuff so so uh, can, can we can, i met you the other the other month and because uh, there was there was three naked leader books and they were fantastic and then there was a gap and a big gap and i'm thinking what, what's happened to him has he died where is he where is where's where's my hero gone and then another book pops up called how to be successful by being yourself <laughs> which the title itself is just having a having a pop at everybody really because um, it's just uh, articulates what you just said earlier the, you already know the answers you've already got the answers they're already within you just uh, search within um, and so obviously I read that one um, and I loved it as well I think it's the most uh, sort of tweetable book in the world I've picked a few phrases out that I've been tweeting and copying you in so you say things like in that book you say things like it's okay sorry you say it's okay it's always okay except when it's not and that's okay as well which I like that you say people who live in comfort zones are actually extremely uncomfortable could you just just unpick that one just a little bit what do you mean by that um, so I think that comfort zones um, are not accurate because uh, they, it's an overused phrase. I think what happens is that in our brains and, and, and as human beings, we work more on familiarity than we do comfort. And so we like familiarity zones. We like to know something is familiar. One of the brain's main tasks in life in order to keep us alive and preserve energy is to keep asking itself each day, every day, what's it like? What's, what, what does this mean if somebody writes this in an email? What does it mean if, if it's raining? What does it mean if this? And, and so it's always looking at what it means. So I think we live in familiarity zones. We sort of like to know what's familiar. And, and I actually think that most people are not really that, that comfortable. Um, or, they, or let me put it this way. I think they're, they're comfortable being uncomfortable. I think the key is to get out of your familiarity zone and do it before you die that don't ever leave dreams too late. So that's what I mean by that phrase. <laughs> Top tip, do it before you die. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you'll have plenty of time to regret anything you do wrong after you've died. Don't regret it now. Go for it. And of course, Andy, it's the ultimate science. You, 
you know, who, whoever listening to this now, however many people are listening to this now, I expect we've got some people who are inspired, so do something about it, and some people who are cynical, so do something about it. The one thing that unites every single person listening to this, including you and I, Andy, is you don't know whether something will work. We don't know whether something will work until you actually do it and see. There's no, you know, so, so just go out and do it and see. And, and see if the world ends. It won't. It won't. It really won't. And so I'm just kind of, to be honest with you, Andy, just between you, me and everyone listening, I'm kind of just going out there and doing it until somebody says to me, you've got to stop now. And nobody's told me. So I'm just, I'm like, a, I'm actually like a teenager out there. I really am. And I'm, on the other hand, I'm not just, I'm not just going for it for the sake of it. I'm going for it because I've got this absolute urge to reach everyone on earth with the message, it's okay to be yourself. Be yourself, because I think there's so many messages out there that stop us being ourselves. There's so many messages that there's something wrong with us. There's so messages, so many messages that tell us that we need to know more or be more or do more. And I'm and, and the whole point of the new book was not just to get away from naked, because that was moving more into the business world and the coaching world. It's in a personal level to say, do you know what? There's nothing wrong with you. Wow, there's nothing wrong with you. But then, but then, well, well, I kind of, well, I know that as well. Um, and I'm trying to get the message out there in a similar way. But then I do, my, I do my training in schools now. So we brought the message right down to to kids. And I was in, a, I can remember doing a, a session in Halifax with all the, with year fives, which are, I think they're uh, nine years old. Um, yeah. And I was I was sat at the back waiting to be I was the keynote speaker and somebody was introducing me. And while I was being introduced, this little girl next, so I sat with the girls at the back. This little girl next to me. Every time, every time the teacher spoke, this little girl was going, Ooh. yeah, we, we call it having a mard in, in Derby, our colloquialism. She's, or having a bag on, or I've got a cob on. So every time this teacher spoke, off she'd go again, verbalising, oh, 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 like that. And I said to her, what on earth is wrong with you, young lady? Oh, she says, I've had enough. And I said, what do you mean you've had enough? What have you had enough of? And she, she says, oh, I can't wait to retire. And, and, <laughs> She's nine. She's nine, mate. She's she's kicking her happiness into the long grass sixty years away. And I think if I think your message is so important that it needs to permeate into into primary schools because too many people are counting down their life, wishing it away. Well, one thing that um, we have to make choices about, of course, is time. And one thing I I really take my hat off to you, which is a stupid expression because I'm not wearing one, is 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 go out. And do what you do in schools and anyone listening to this who can get across to kids there's nothing wrong with you everything you need to achieve anything you want you already have within you yes you know you, you there'll be things you can't do you know and we we use this message with 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 people who can't see people who can't hear people who are wheelchair users we use this message say yes there's many things you can't do don't be defined by that there's many many more things that you can and i also talk in schools not to the extent you do one every two months i go and talk to schools mainly to be honest with you andy everyone says oh you're really good to go and give your time to talk in schools it's great training you never get training like it i mean recently i went into a school and i was told by the headmaster usually you get people who show pictures of their last holiday and or, or a trip to india please can you do something different so i took in sweets thinking nobody does that so i started throwing sweets out to the kids I'm not, I'm not saying they called the police, but it was pretty near a riot. I had no idea these kids had clearly not eaten for about two weeks. They were fighting each other over over honeycomb crisps and clotted cream. It was just unbelievable. It was great fun. And, and I, I mean, I'll never get invited back to the school again, but by God, I'm really cool with those kids, I'll tell you. Well, they're fantastic, aren't they? And I think, I, you know, the reason that... Uh... 
I do school stuff is because it's good for the soul and, and they take no prisoners mate you know you get an audience of 15 year olds I, I once had a I was doing a session in a school because we do lots of keynotes in business and quite frankly they're quite easy because you can guarantee what, what people are going to think and what people are going to ask but kids are so yeah. random aren't they I mean, oh, uh, I might have to use totally the bleep machine here, but I, I did a session with year 11s once, 15-year-olds. They're all filing into the room. This lad came to the front, and he looked. he's about seven foot tall, looked down at me with his beard, you know, more of a man than I'll ever be. And he looked down at me, and he said, he said, sir, he said, is this going to be shit? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I've done 10 years of business conference. Nobody's ever, people might have thought that, but nobody's come to the front and asked me before I start. So you've got a different audience, and I really do think if you want to ever hone your business speaking, then go into schools and have a practice because they will tell you the truth. They really will. I couldn't agree with you more. I would say to any... Lots of people ask me about speaking and how to get on the speaking circuit and all that sort of thing. And, and, and I always say, go and talk in schools. And once you've talked in schools, the next time you're in front of a business audience and somebody puts up their hand and they say, I've got a very tough question for you. Is that OK? Just think to yourself, I've been told, you know, I've been asked whether I'm going to be shit. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and I, I mean, my, my favorite is um, 30 seconds into my talk, a girl put up her hand at school and said, excuse me, are you going to be wrong? Uh, sorry, are you going to be wrong? Are you going to be long? Because I've got to go to the dentist in five minutes. And I made a joke and said, I'll see if I can wrap up in three. How does that sound? I got a round of applause. I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> okay. I'll finish in three minutes. <laughs> but to be honest with you, my, all my material really comes down to, you know, it doesn't matter what your age, it doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter how much you know, it doesn't matter what you're told every single thing you need to achieve anything you want you already have within you and to be honest with you i could get up and say that and just jump off the stage i could be doing 50 talks a day i'm clearly i'm clearly missing something by, by only doing two or three a so week. You, could, However, you could package your talk into, into one minute then one sentence really essentially well, i could i could actually do it in a text and that would mean not having to leave home at all but uh, <laughs> i do quite like seeing people's faces when you share this with people <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, another tweetable phrase, which which sums up what you were just talking about there, from your book is uh, "Stop preparing to live and start living." That's a beautiful one as well. And, uh, and one of my uh, one of my favourites. And then I want to just unpick one more, and then I'll let you go. Um, you you got this thing in your in your book, uh, "How to Be Successful by Being Yourself." You say, "For me, I always feel happy when I'm above ground and breathing," which basically means you're glad to be alive. And then you finish with a corollary that says, "That's my rule." And therefore, I'm always happy, and then in brackets, except on the subway, which is a beautiful <laughs> little bit of humour in, in, in there that really rams the point home that we're alive. We woke, we woke up this morning, so get a grip and, and go out and make the most of it. Well, absolutely. And, and thank, you for, um, thank you for liking my new book. It means a lot to me. It's probably more of a personal book. But as I say, none of my books are about me. They're always about people basically being the very best that they already are can, and, and going for it in life can and enjoying I, can it. I, can I just unpick them one more? And it's, yes. uh, it's something that I know that you, you well, it's, I would say it's the, the heart of the new book and it's what you call the gap of infinite possibilities. Yes. Um, and I think that is such a crucial thing. I've only recently cottoned onto that gap. Uh, so mind the gap, if you like. So what, can you explain to the listeners what the gap of infinite possibilities is? Yes. Can I just say, can I just share with everyone, Andy, um, that n nothing that I've written is original. I, I basically have discovered a very, a very clever way of um, appearing, appearing clever and, and successful. And that is cheat. What I do is I basically read lots of books. I listen to lots of people and I observe what's going on and I strip away the hype jargon of mystery. And then I share it with as many people as I can in the world. 
So I, I do not I do not want anyone to think that anything I'm saying today is original. And if anyone's thinking and listening to this, hang on a minute, I invented that. Please let me know and I'll give you full credit in my next book. The gap of infinite possibility is only the name I've given to it. But basically, it comes down to this. We all know that we have total control over what we say, do, how we act. However, I think the key to life, the key to success, the key, if I may come into your territory, Andy, to happiness is very clear. Always take control over how you react. There's many things we don't have control over. The weather, what people say, what people say to us, what people say about us behind our backs, what people say in emails, WhatsApp, etc., etc., etc. On Facebook, however, we always have control over how we react. So what I say is when you realize you have control over you react, you, how you react, you have total and absolute power. And rather than just immediately reacting, say, negatively or, or, or in an aggressive way or whatever, that just takes you into a spiral, a sort of um, a, a spiral of sort of uh, falling out and arguments and, and despair. I say react in a way that helps you move towards your outcome. React in a way that gives you control react, or, or don't react at all. Don't react at all. So a great example of this is how to respond to a negative email. I used to say, in fact, I did a blog on this. One week I was running out of ideas, to be honest with you, Andy. And I wrote how to respond to a negative email. And the blog said, don't. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I've, now, I've now honed my advice on that. So I, did, I did another one, how to respond to a negative email. Thank you. That's how you respond to a negative email. So take control over how you react. Because most people, when they get a negative email, want to reply negatively. And you're in this sort of spiral um, of negativity. So so the, the, the gap is the moment when something happens you don't have control over and you think to yourself, how shall I react? And what I'm saying is think about what outcome you want from your reaction. Because we all have we all we all end up, you know, falling out with people, you know, not getting the right results, not getting our outcomes, because I think fundamentally, because we don't think through that gap. And that gap may only last just a few seconds. It may may even only last half a second if somebody says something aggressive to you. Um, but however, how you react, I think, comes down to taking control of that gap. And by taking control of that gap, you take control of achieving your outcome and maybe helping other people achieve theirs as well. Crikey. And it is infinite possibilities. Do you know what? Straight away in my head uh, takes me to before I before I knew all this stuff and before before I was enlightened. Um, so I'd written a couple of books and somebody put a one star Amazon review and I'm like livid because this is the best book I've ever written. How can somebody go on? How can somebody read a book about happiness and go on Amazon and leave a one-star review saying that I'm an idiot and it's a rubbish book? So, of course, not knowing about the gap of infinite possibilities, I went and replied to their negative review, telling them that they're wrong and they're an idiot. And of course, then they responded to my. Well, I've got this horrible diatribe of of, of bile now on Amazon that I can't get rid of <laughs> that, I, that I've jumped in and, and exacerbated and I think if I'd have just thought about it and said emailed that person and said do you know what thank you that would have been the end of it wouldn't it well I was on a I mean we all I mean I you know I've made many many mistakes in my life I continue to do so but if you don't do anything you don't make any mistakes and uh, I, I was on a panel once um, it was a sort of question time business panel of about 300 business leaders and there's a lady on there um, who's uh, now sadly passed away. And, and she was asked, um, David's on the panel and you weren't very kind about his book, were you? And she said, I think it's a dreadful book. He's not a leader. I think it's the worst book I've ever read. And there was like this hush in the audience, you know, and I thought, that's a bit rude. You know, I'm just sitting three along from you. Um, and, and then the and so the um, moderator said, well, David, um, Car this lady, Carol, she's written a book as well. What do you think of hers? And I said, take it or leave it. 
and and that's a much better that 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 meant that I was taking control of the gap and also dropping a at the same time without without being nasty because the worst thing anyone can ever say about a book of course is take it or leave it you want you want somebody in life you want somebody to love what you do or hate what you do because then at least you're getting an emotional reaction powerful stuff again sir this is why this is why you're my hero you see so well you are mine as well oh, andy bless, bless. No, seriously seriously what you do is just incredible we talk about you we write about you we're there for you all the time because you're a hero of mine the reason i'm here this morning is because of you hey bless you sir right well that, i mean that's mutual backslapping there um can i can i finish with one question that we always do on the podcast now and that is um what actually makes you happy because at the core of what we do is positive psychology and happiness so what makes david taylor happy i'm well you know my definition of happiness being above ground and breathing however what makes me really really happy are my family and my cats one of whom is sleeping behind me and if we were on a video you'd see her um i would say uh just realizing that um, I've made a dis- I've almost been reborn now after my time in organizations. But what makes me really, really, really happy is seeing Woking Football Club score a goal. <laughs> Woking Football Club. As a Derby County fan, sir, there's always somebody worse off than myself. So that makes me happy as well. You've had a real roller coaster. Are you going to? Are you going to appoint Steve McLaren for the third time, sir? Uh, inevitably. Absolutely. <laughs> it's written in the stars. So what's next, sir? Last question, what's next? And well, I'm writing on a book called, I'm writing a book at the moment. In fact I'm writing two books. One called um Letters from a Lost Friend, which will help people come to terms with the uh, loss of an animal or a loved one or a pet. Um and um Hang the stop, other one... stop stop right there. To come to terms with losing a pet? Yes. Okay. Uh, cat, dog, rabbit, whatever, because these are like these are like members of the family and uh <laughs> And, and I'm not supposed and to be laughing there. I mean, is this, is this? Well, no, you've laughed at a lot of things today I, that I thought we were inappropriate to laugh at. But you carry so on. So people who are bereaved when their pet dies, there will soon be a a book for those people. Yes. Okay. Yes, those people can read this book and they will find peace. Um, so that's <laughs> so that's that's one book, and the other book I'm writing. Um, by the way, I'm carrying on obviously with all the naked stuff with naked leaders in, in organisations and everything, and the global messages. And we're doing stuff around removing phobias in a single session, all that sort of thing. But right now, the two books I'm working on are Letters from a Lost Friend and uh, My Final Diet, which is How to Never Diet Again, which basically is how to control how to use your mind to control your body. Oh well, well there's your there's your millionaire status then, sir. That'll be the one, won't it? That'll be the one. I would suggest that I might sell one more than the cat one. Do you think I should skip the pet one then and just do the my Well, I I, I I'd be interested to <laughs> to have an advanced copy, but I don't think I'd pay for it. You know what I mean? Of course you'll always get advanced copies of my book. <laughs> so you can then go on to Amazon and give me a one star review and we can have an online rant with each other. I look forward to that. <laughs> Oh, David, thank you very much indeed. I've been so looking forward to speaking to you. I knew you'd come up with some nuggets of information and I think it's the simplicity of it that has always been the core of what you do. So thanks for spending half an hour with us this morning. Um, um, I would point people to us. I'll put links to your website and links to Amazon to all your books there and highly recommend that people go out and seek them out if they haven't read them already. David Taylor, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And that, dear listener, is that. I hope you found it as interesting and as useful and as stimulating as I did. Congratulations, by the way, on making such a great choice of listening material. Please subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I wish you well. 
You've been listening to the Art of Brilliance podcast. Listen to and subscribe to all our podcasts at www.artofbrilliance.co.uk slash podcasts.